Hello and welcome to the Tyree Wardrobe Motorsports Show. I am your host, The Big Ticket. Well, this is the Tyree Wardrobe Motorsports Show podcast. I am your host, Tyree Wardrobe, aka The Big Ticket, here to talk to you about all things motorsport related, um, as well as you know maybe 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 a couple other things. But this week's uh, topics tend to range simply around Formula One, Formula E, and the World Endurance Championship. I did think about adding some Rallycross stuff in there, but. I didn't really catch the rally cross in Catalonia, but I will talk about it on the next episode because definitely something I will probably check into make sure I get the highlights. If there's a replay out there to watch, I'll probably watch the entire the, the, the entire replay and make sure to get, you know, as much notes as I can down for it. But stepping away from that, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it five stars on all social media platforms, uh, not social media platforms, streaming platforms. Um, I'm available on all platforms. And there is also a YouTube version of this podcast. So head on over to YouTube or head on over to Tyree Waldron <laughs> on YouTube. Um, and if you want, you know, if you want to uh, tune in or if you want constant updates on the motorsport world or anything of that nature, be sure to head to my uh social medias uh if you go to the video version of this podcast you will see that everything will be linked in the in the description box below um without further ado though i think it is time that we go ahead and dive into this episode now starting off with world endurance with the world endurance championship i want to talk about six hours at monza did i watch an entire six hours at monza hell no if i'm being honest with you i don't think anyone unless you're actually at this event or unless you know you have a a vested interest in it and a vested uh value in it um i don't think that you know it's 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 really a race that someone's gonna sit and watch for six hours straight um not unless you know you are a, a, a thorough fan but for me um i have other things that i need to take care of so watching the entire six hours race no not a possibility but i did tune in for highlights did catch a couple glimpses and uh replays and extended replays so I, I feel like i got the general gist but once again um i do like to start off this podcast sometimes uh reading you know a, a few articles and getting you know a, a little quick fast impression on the article and what they're talking about usually it's an article that i picked out because of the fact that i know what they're talking about um so this one is all about monza uh six hours at monza and of course we have um the 24 hours of lamont coming up august 21st so definitely something that i will for that i tune in okay for that i tune in it'll be running in the background or something but when there's action and stuff to be had i'll be coming back and, and ready to work and ready to go after it but as we move on as i digress <laughs> uh Another thing that I actually want to point out before I start that up is I've already spoken on the fact that I didn't catch this whole race. And there's maybe some other things that I also want to mention is how in the world does six hours of racing result into three hours and into three minutes, sorry, into three minutes of highlights. Don't get me wrong. I know that in certain instances, um, endurance racing is just a drag people are just maybe maintaining their position until the final the the final two hours or the final hour and then finally putting themselves in position i understand that but for six hours i mean i i I hope it's a little bit longer (laughs) for uh, 24 hours of lamont but you know it's it's understandable it's just that i went back to check the highlights and that just stood out to me i was like how is it only you know this much but then i'm like nah race action is usually just a little bit maybe a corner here corner there it's never nothing crazy but 
I, I kind of expected a little bit more. But glad to see the Toyota came out on top for sure. Uh, Toyota came out on top in this race. They have been practically undefeated this season. And I believe this is what, either round four or round seven of uh, of the WEC. Um, forgive me because I did not put that in my notes this week. Uh, but keeping it moving though. Um, this article starts off with it saying, Mike Conway. Uh, I do want to point out before I do start. I apologize. <laughs> um, some of these names I struggle with pronouncing because I am. American. We have no idea how to pronounce some of these names. <laughs> I'm messing. I'm messing. I mean, I am, but I, I don't really know how to pronounce some of these names. Um, but either way, going with it, Mike Conway and uh, Kamui Kabayashi and Jose Maria Lopez led from pole position in the number seven hybrid and were untroubled for most of the race, as neither uh, Alpine nor Glickenhaus were able to challenge the two Toyotas on race. Pace. I do want to mention, I, I, like, I think I did mention uh, the fact that I was reading an article. This is from motorsport.com. Um, it is someone that I tend to go to a lot for like kind of news sometimes. Uh, that as well as Autosport and other, you know, official, um, I guess, race. Uh, that that race classification or that, that race discipline, uh, their actual government, governmenting body. I also go to them for a lot of the news as well when it comes to the team politics and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely something. Um, just to make sure that I point out this is a, a large majority of my stuff comes from these articles and these videos um, but if we keep moving into it though there was some drama before the beginning of the penultimate uh, hour when the when the Toyota uh, just had an issue coming down the uh, long straight and um, it was I guess a suspected technical problem or something of that nature where it was no longer able to uh to race and it was down for about 40 seconds or so and from there you know they were able to jump start it and able to come back and of course able to take the win so props to toyota and and being able to come through and do all that kind of stuff i will continue to read the article though um right here okay basically <laughs> but there was drama at the beginning of the penultimate hour when kobayashi crawled to a halt on a long straight following the second lesmo corner with a suspected technical problem allowing the 709 glickenhaus 007 LMH of Romain Dumas to come through and take the lead. Now, Kobayashi eventually managed to restart the car and get going again, but rejoined the track 40 seconds behind the Glickenhaus. Uh, there was reprieve for Toyota when the American boutique manufacturer elected to bring the car into the garage for a precautionary brake change, but the Alpine, which had dropped to third after making an earlier stop, remained in contention for victory. Uh, the race was set to go down the wires. Conway needed to make a late splash and dash to ensure the number seven uh, GR010 could make it to the finish line. But a late full course yellow to recover debris from the track um, put pay to the chances of a late scrap for victory between Toyota and Alpine. Conway essentially earning a free stop and emerging from the pits the best part of a minute ahead of Matthew. And I don't know how to say this man's name. <laughs> but as I digress, props. To Toyota for uh, holding on and making sure that they got this victory. Uh, the WEC is not something that I spend an extensive amount of time on simply because it's really long racing and I don't feel like watching all of it all the time. Uh, there, I, I do have a life. I do have other stuff, things that I have to maintain. Um, but keep it in pushing and keeping it going. I also want to talk about Peugeot's hypercar. Now, if you haven't seen this already, head on over to uh, my Twitter page at the Big Ticket 07. I, or you can head on over to Peugeot. Anything endurance related uh, will probably have a picture of Peugeot's hypercar 
somewhere. <laughs> um, it's definitely it was it was pretty much big news in the motorsport uh, world. So if you were interested in it, you probably seen it. But if you haven't, definitely go check into the Peugeot uh, Hyper the 9x8 hypercar. Definitely something that um that's interesting. Basically, it's 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 interesting. Now I do want to pinpoint. Uh, some of the stuff now I was reading this article and Peugeot were basically pretty confident in the fact that they would need a rear wing yes ladies and gentlemen there is no rear wing on Peugeot's new 9x8 hypercar now rear wing you know it allows help helping with downforce making sure the cars maintain grip all that kind of good stuff but it's it's if we watch the category that hypercar is coming in for you see the other cars you see the way that they're set up all of them do have rear wings and i would like to know how on earth this car is making the necessary downforce in order to be competitive with these cars um obviously i am no race engineer so i wouldn't know but i i, I personally don't believe that this car is going to come out the out the box competitive to be you know uh top two in a pack i don't i don't think so but why would a company waste you know millions of dollars if they don't think that they, they can win so i understand that argument but i, I, I want to know how do you feel about it how, how do you the listener how do you the the, the uh, watcher i guess thank you for tuning in i want to know how you think about it do you do, how do you feel about the no rear wing situation going on with Peugeot's hypercar i know that in certain instances i know there, there's people who have you know uh much more a bigger uh uh a better grasp on the situation, a better grasp on the actual thing that I'm talking about. So I want to make sure that, you know, anyone who has, you know, any any type of values, ideas about it, definitely hit me up on, 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 on my social medias, man. It's one of the best places to actually tune in and, and converse with me. Now, I'm, 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 me personally, though, I'm skeptical. It's not necessarily something that I see, you know, it's not something that you see a lot. Tons, practically all, <laughs> uh, race cars all of the stuff have some form of a rear wing now if you actually look at the photo and all that kind of stuff of the car you see that it does have something back there so i'm pretty sure that's going to assist greatly in achieving this necessary downforce and all that kind of good stuff but i just don't believe that this car is going to be competitive right out the gate especially with uh initial testing not being done yet so i'm not sure if they're going to be able to even run this car for 2022 but hey, that's the goal, and I'm pretty sure they're dedicated to that goal, and they're gonna try their best to make sure that it does happen. So therefore, I mean, maybe we will expect to see a debut of the Peugeot 9X8 hypercar next year. I, I honestly think so. I honestly, I honestly think it might be a mid-season thing, or they might only you know participate in 24 Hours of Le Mans or something like that, or they might use another track for a testing, and then for 24 Hours of Le Mans, there's. There's a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of things that goes into those those types of decisions. So it's OK um, that they haven't gotten the, the uh, initial testing and all that kind of stuff done. But I just really want to know if this car is going to be competitive from the get go. I don't want it to be. Oh, we have to adjust this. We have to adjust this. Then two seasons later, you're finally competitive. You know, I know Peugeot has a long track record when it comes to motorsport. Uh, of course, most notably to me is rally. Um, and I think that Pujo definitely has the ability to come out swinging right out the gate and go for first place. Uh, that's just my personal thought behind it. Um, and of course, you know, there are some of the cars traits that is obviously basically, I don't want to say unique, 
well aside from the fact that it has no rear wing but it is the hybrid to fit into that category for the world endurance championship it's four-wheel drive has a 900 volt battery and of course no backside <laughs> but aside from that though moving on man that's enough of the world endurance championship i'm gonna head on over to the formula one side of it i know i am late on this i know i am late on this okay it 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 pains me that i have to do this episode way after uh the actual silverstone gp after all the commotion all that kind of stuff but i felt like i still kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit um now obviously i want to talk about the sprint race first that's what happened first i want to talk about my original opinion of the sprint race was not where it is now now i say that to mean that i'm kind of leaning in the direction of these sprint races is low-key fire that's the direction i'm leaning and the reason i say that simply because it was pretty good action man pretty good action and it was a great shake up in the grids for the actual race on sunday so i i i like it i like it a little bit i i don't want to go all the way to say that yes this is definitely like a really good thing you know we still have to still have to have a few others that's another thing monza was also confirmed as being the second uh track where the sprint race will be tested out this year um so can't wait for the monza round now I've made videos, I think in another podcast I've talked about this, but this was at a point when they were talking about uh, reverse sprint races. If you want to check into that episode, definitely check my uh, my YouTube playlist or just head back. I'm not sure what episode exactly is, it, but definitely check my YouTube playlist. Um, it would be in one of the descriptions. I'll, I'll find out the video. It'll be up in the corner on the, on the, uh, on the YouTube version. And so uh, definitely, I'd recommend checking it out. It was an earlier thought. When it was uh, the reverse sprint races, when they were going to put basically the cars in the back of the championship at the beginning, at, at the front end, and do the race that way. That was thankfully vetoed because I don't believe that you need to implement a false thing like that in order to have action. And clearly I was correct because now they have a classic sprint race, just a short race, everybody going out there, making some good stuff, and doing whatever's necessary for them to uh, stay competitive for the actual race on Sunday, which it did exactly that. Um, so let me talk about it. let me talk about it. let me talk about it. for one great action to start off okay normally you know i i personally believe that guys might have tried to uh hold back a little bit but then again this is for qualifying this wasn't a test this wasn't something that they were just trying out this was the official thing so yes it was great to see that there was fantastic action right at the start right out the gate um and of course nikita mazapin he spins out right at the beginning um i do want to talk about him for a little bit he does have a like a YouTube Q&A video. I'm not sure if it's out or anything like that, but I did see this a couple days ago where he had a couple uh, YouTube videos. He had a Q&A YouTube video that was supposed to come out and they were marketing it. Uh, his 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 team was marketing it on um on Twitter. And I have to say the comments, at least the first 100 that I scrolled through were awesome. <laughs> um I don't think it's any i don't think there's any question on there that he could honestly have in a q a um either they were like questions of you know uh complete seriousness the sarcastic questions rhetorical all that kind of stuff they were all mixed in there and um it was good to see that f1 was kind of like we not like the f1 fans are basically like yo we're not messing with this guy uh 
I mean, me, I'm a fan of all racing. So, I mean, I'm an F1 fan as well. Uh, am I a fan of Nikita Mazepin? No, I haven't even thought about him in all honesty, except when he makes the news for some nonsense. But keeping it moving, or when he cuts off his own teammate, like in Baku. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to keep it moving. I just felt like that needed to be highlighted a little bit. It was just something that I remembered. But I don't think that video is going to do well. <laughs> now, Sergio Perez, he spins off as well. And I want to highlight Fernando Alonso as well for doing for having an impressive sprint run. Um, you know, him, him starting off on the softs, and he was able to actually uh, overtake six places and move up six places. Of course, you know, as the race continued, he ended up losing some grip. So he ended up losing two places. That's four places overall that he was able to move up wonderful work by fernando alonso i believe he he was one of the one of the big things that 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 shook up that grid placement and that really shook up because of the sprint race i it was the sprint race is set up perfectly for him at least this first one was um also george russell did some great work pulling in i think a top 10 finish uh something of that nature or 11th finish it might have been ninth finish, but he did get hit with a three grid place penalty, and that revolted resulted in him coming in twelfth. So, I mean, hey, he did qualify ninth, but once again, he got hit with that penalty, and that puts him in twelfth. So on, that's unfortunate, but he still did a pretty impressive job in order to come into the top ten. Um, good work, George Russell. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, I'm not really sure where his fate is lying right now. Obviously, I believe uh, somebody was talking to him about uh, his intentions on maybe going to red bull if red bull had a seat open but george hit him back with a simple mercedes has been by my side for a long time i would not even think about red bull because we all know something's going to shake up at mercedes are they going to keep valtteri another year are they going to move to another driver and it's is that driver it like it's a high probability that that driver would be george russell um would Valtteri end up going to Williams or where would Valtteri sit on that on that in, in that actual uh setup in an actual situation I don't know I don't know what team he's looking at all that kind of stuff I believe Haas or uh if not Haas it was Alfa Romeo was looking to actually um try and talk to him for a little bit and they wanted to to, to maybe maybe uh have him as one of the lead drivers in their in in their little in their team but I don't think those conversations have been had yet in all honesty, obviously, there's been like pictures, conspiracy theories, it's all that kind of stuff. Like uh, one day, Valtteri posted a picture of him and Kimi Raikkonen walking or, or something like of that nature and uh, stuff like that. But that's all gas. Um, but keeping it, keeping it about the sprint race, both Alpines were in the top 10. And I believe this has only happened either once or twice this year. Um so good work to them but this is what i mean about the uh the sprint race actually being able to shake up the uh the grid for the sunday gp it's because you know cars that you wouldn't expect to see in the top you know 10 or cars that you wouldn't expect to see battling for that middle pack that higher middle of the pack you wouldn't see normally they were there because you know the sprint races have actual you know uh race incidents i guess and race situations where uh sometimes you spin out or that that or maybe there might be an incident you know with an actual crash or something like that and it shakes up placements and and all that kind of stuff so it's dope it's dope it was a dope concept especially the fact that it actually worked um i 
do believe that reverse grid races is still nonsense, but I'm, I'm glad that this type of racing actually worked. And I'm glad that F1 is doing what they can to bounce back from 2020, not being able to have fans and those kinds of things. So I'm glad that they were able to bounce back from that. And one last thing I do want to highlight, Carlos Sainz. Um, remember when I talked about George Russell getting that uh, three-grid uh, place penalty? It was because of a race incident that he had with Carlos Sainz in the first lap of the sprint race. Now, because of that, Sainz dropped back all the way to P18. Um, but he put together such a great drive that he was actually able to finish off in 11th. So, that right there is the highlight moment of the sprint race from in my opinion i like the fact that Char that not charles whew, i like the fact that carlos was able to actually come back and have a wonderful and impressive drive and also finish i mean granted that's probably not the position he wants and definitely not the position he would have had if he was uh where he was at where he qualified but impressive work by carlos Sainz, and definitely a good drive in my personal opinion but let's get to the bread and butter of the actual Silverstone GP, why don't we? Hamilton versus Verstappen. Honestly, I'm glad that now when I'm speaking about it, I see that social media has died down. Well, no, actually, no, it hasn't. <laughs> because Red Bull is, is on some other stuff about video footage and this, that, and the fourth. Um, I have to dive into it a little bit more. I'm not 100% sure what exactly is, is happening. It's, it's something that I have to dive into a little bit more. But I do just want to talk about, you know, uh, the actual race itself. Now, we knew that this was heating up for a while. We knew that this was happening. We knew that this was heating up for a while. The reason I say that simply because we understand that these guys have been heating up. They've been rivals for two, three years now. This is what their third. I'm not necessarily, but they've been rivals. These two are were destined to clash. They were destined to have an incident. If we look back in Formula One history, we can see clear cut examples, which I can't necessarily think of right now. But I know they're there because I know they're there. <laughs> it's happened. I've watched it. It's usually imminent, like uh, Nico Rosberg and uh, Lewis Hamilton or Vettel, and uh, I believe Rosberg or Hamilton, one or the other. It, it has happened before and even in prior you know f1 history it has happened where guys are just battling each other and going at it and i you know some race there's one time where both guys are just not willing to yield and this was that situation that we had in silverstone neither was willing to yield and you understand why you understand, you know, Max, he's a lion. He doesn't, he, ne he never yielded in the first place. But Lewis, but Lewis Hamilton was always the type of guy who was like, nah, I'm going to back off, you know, and uh, save it for another race, maybe save it for, you know, another lap, that kind of mentality. But I understand why he chose to make his stand where he did at his home GP, Silverstone. I understand why he chose that because it's, it's in front of your home fans it's that home feeling it's that energy that buzz that you get like when you're at a home game when you're on a team and you're at your home game that's what this was you don't yield you don't back down you go in and you you do what you gotta do and try and get that win now me saying do what you gotta do might lead to other implications but no that's not that's not what i mean that's not what i mean at all i'm glad 
that we were able to see some pretty decent race action even though it was only for the first lap even though it was only for maybe half of the first lap obviously there was action throughout the race and all that kind of stuff too but you know this this was the real pressing issue but i also want to you know kind of dive into it a little bit like why is it there was such a battle over whether or not this was a race incident whether or not who was at fault hamilton has always been you know that kind of guy he, he didn't drive like that he doesn't drive with the intention of taking out another job that that kind of thing i don't necessarily think that's what he does verstappen doesn't back down now if you have hamilton who doesn't want to back yes something like this is destined to happen maybe at the next race it might be hamilton who's crashing out you never know how these things go but this is how rivalries are rivalries breed contact in all types of sports not just not just formula one in you know nba nfl all that kind of things you've seen where rivalries turn hostile you've seen where you know incidents have happened maybe one person decided to open up on on a tackle a little too hard or something i, I don't know this there's a whole lot of comparisons that you can make across all forms of racing motorsport all forms of uh, actual physical contact sport like there's clear-cut indications of rivalries that heat up and this is one of those but i'm glad that i'm glad that Verstappen uh, is actually just focused on the race. Lewis Hamilton, obviously, he's he's on his side missions right now. He's on he he's on his uh his his side quests and his side endeavors. But I'm pretty sure he's focused on the championship as well. Now, of course, Hamilton got his eighth win uh, at Silverstone, um, which of course was great. But it was a 51 G crash between him and. Uh, and Verstappen. Um, Verstappen was involved in a 51G crash. I'm glad that he was able to walk out of that, but over the radio, you could hear that he was he was a little shaken up from that. Um, but he walked it off like a G, as always, and uh, continued on, and he's ready for uh, race weekend in Hungary. Hungary, whatever. <laughs> and I do want to talk about this penalty as well. 10 seconds is definitely not enough. That was not... Uh, a, a, a an appropriate penalty for um for that race incident um 10 seconds is practically nothing for hamilton he's won by practically 30 set he's won by over 30 seconds uh on several occasions i don't think 20 i don't think 10 seconds was was that big of a a, a, a detriment to him winning this race or anything of that nature yes he did pass like at the last possible you know few laps but i don't think 10 seconds was was enough of a punishment uh for you know the race incident that did occur um and another thing i do want to talk about the celebration as well the celebration was a little over the top even in i mean what i'm talking about like the post i'm talking about the post race interview as well as you know the 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 driving around track uh with the flag and all that kind of with the uh with the is that the United Kingdom flag? I don't know what I don't know what British flag, whatever, man. That's that's where he was at with it, right? That celebration was a little over the top. But my main focus, you know, of course, celebrating your home GP, you want to ball out, you want to love, you want to, you know, have a, a a full-on celebration, that kind of thing. I'm not gonna deny you with that, but like party, you know, with your peoples, all that kind of stuff. That 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 looks like a better image. But 
I don't think that in that post-race interview, he should have did or said what he said. I don't think that the first words out of your mouth should have been, you know, about leaving space and this, that, and the fourth. I'm not sure if it was a post-race interview. But in one of those race interviews, I'm not sure the first thing should have been, he didn't leave you enough space. I feel like the first thing should have been, is he all right? How bad was the crash? That kind of stuff. This was a time for you to show sportsmanship. This was a time for you to show compassion to your fellow racer, to your rival, to your competition. And to miss the bag on that. <laughs> um, and of course, Christian uh, Christian Horner on Red Bull and, uh, you know, everyone on the Red Bull staff and all that kind of stuff is, is pretty pissed still about the incident. And they want to go out there and, you know, get some action and, and, and try and change the perspective of people. It don't really matter. What's done is done. Focus on the next race. But I don't believe that Hamilton should have had that kind of dialogue for one right off rip after you basically just made this crash happen kind of as well as i don't believe that the first thing i mean over the radio should have been uh that as well uh he that was one of the first things over the radio is he didn't leave him a space and this that and the fourth granted i do think he drove past the incident so he wasn't actually able to see the entirety of the crash happen but still the first thing you should probably worry about is whether or not max was okay uh, from a sportsmanship standpoint, that's usually the first thing that we go to uh, when we're when, when we're thinking about. It. Like sometimes we're like, you know, in in physical contact sports, when you knock somebody out or knock somebody down or anything like that, it's usually celebrated. But in Formula One, you know, the high class, the highest uh, form of, of 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 racing, all that kind of stuff. Nah, that should be a sportsmanship moment of caring for a rival, caring for a competitor. That kind of thing. It, it, it should have been one of those rather than what it was. Um, so there, I, I have to say, Hamilton, that, that that wasn't necessarily the way to go there. Um, I don't think 10 seconds was enough. <laughs> but, of course, if we continue on uh, with the actual race, I'm, obviously there's other race action that happened within the race. But this was mainly what I just wanted to talk about. Now, of course, on lap 50 or 52, Hamilton gets uh, past Leclerc at, at the same corner that he took out uh, Max Verstappen. But one thing i do want to say leclerc basically chose life because he was not having it he was not having no altercations and no issues with, with lewis hamilton at that corner so leclerc ran himself wide and allowed hamilton to basically go through um i mean yeah he just wanted you know he just he just, he just leclerc just decided you know what i'm okay <laughs> i'll come in behind you and just take yeah you know so it, it was a decent decision glad to see that those guys were uh are glad to see that uh leclerc was good too uh throughout that race even with a what even with a faulty engine i believe his power unit was having some issues and he's also battling you know hamilton he's battling well not verstappen anymore but he was battling hamilton all that kind of stuff it was great to see leclerc really put up a nice display and a nice drive as well but moving away from the actual race afterwards i want to talk about all the racist nonsense that that's just come up about with you know these f1 fans god jeesh i'm disgusted honestly i didn't I, I didn't expect that type of uh i didn't expect that type of reaction from people about the race incident i, I didn't expect that from a lot of people but hey that's 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 how some people are that's what some people believe and uh that's how some people think idiots in my in, in, in my honest you know respect um obviously 
inc- things happen on the racetrack, but I'm glad to see that all those teams, the FIA and all that stuff, even Red Bull especially, I'm glad to see what Red Bull said when they were like, yeah, we may fight and stuff on the actual track when we're racing and we're, we're battling and we're rivals and we're competitors, but we don't condone that shit. <laughs> I'm glad that everyone was able to actually, you know, basically piece together and 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 make sure that their stance was known you know hamilton is basically the leading the not the leading but hamilton is the face of change in formula one and uh i'm glad that everyone was was understanding like to 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 not only to have his back but also to keep pushing his his agenda forward you know, with uh, the Hamilton Commission as well as the uh, Mission 44 thing that he's doing. I have to do some more research on that. I do plan on doing a discussion video on it, like a singular topic video on it. But only once I've gotten more research in, uh, making sure that notes are correct, all that kind of stuff. Definitely plan on doing one of those. But that's just where I'm at with it. With it. Um, I, I don't think... I'm glad that this incident have have exposed some of these people for what you know the the, the values that they hold, but I don't think it should happen in the first place because that that was just uncalled for. A race incident should not lead to that kind of stuff. It's but you know and also uh, the racist stuff that happened with those guys on the London team that was also trifling too. It's in this day and age, bro. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. But I want to move away from that. Got me in a bad mood. <laughs> Let's talk about Formula E. That's what I'm going to finish this up with. A nice little rumble in London. You know, a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday race. It was definitely some good things to see. Um, of course, uh, I, I do want to talk about it. I do want to talk about it. Because there is... The XL Circuit. You know, the last time they were here was in, what, 2016? And they were only on the outdoor portion. Now, this year, it's half indoor half outdoor thanks to you know thanks to the fact that these cars did the the gen 2 cars are practically emissions free they were able to get this to actually happen and another thing uh, uh it's 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 indoor for one section and it's outdoor for another another thing one thing that i want to point out about that is that there were definitely an abundance of grip level changes within that race that guys had to maintain. The reason I say that is because on the indoor section, it's usually, you know, um, a higher degree of maintained and it's usually a higher degree of cleanliness, a higher degree. The track is usually better indoor. You know, it might be control temperatures, all that kind of stuff. The track is usually better on indoor circuits or indoor tracks all throughout any basic form of racing. Once you step outside, grip starts to become a little more of a problem. Tracks on the inside normally get swabbed, that kind of stuff. On the outdoor, not so much. So, you know, there was a um, a grip condition issue uh, or grip conditioning when guys, you know, were coming from the indoor and going into the outdoor and realizing that the grip is not the same. It's a little more mid. It's a little more. Uh, it's a little less effective outside than it was on the inside. So some guys have to make those adjustments on the fly. That was great to see. That's a nice little shakeup in strategy, a nice little shakeup in the racing aspect, making sure guys are thinking. <laughs> um, but I still would love to talk about this one that you race, though. Jake Dennis gets the home GP for Saturday around 12. Good job by him. I'm glad that he was actually able to get that. Uh, actually, it was back-to-back London uh, London winners. Um of their home GPs. It was back to back. And that was, that's dope. 
that's dope congratulations to those guys i will be discussing round 13 after i get through with um with this little it's, it's not it's not long it's not long Seth Bird, the championship leader, was out of the race at round 12. He did not finish, and from there, he was knocked down into third place in the championship standings. That's a bullet to bite. That is a bullet to bite. <laughs> um, and then there's Alex Lynn and Jake Dennis were pretty much away from the rest of uh, from the rest of the um from the rest of the field and it was pretty much just a battle between those two guys until uh i believe jake dennis got a nice little move in on um on alex lynn and was able to actually push past and and, and get the w i'm also i uh, want to talk about lucas degrassi obviously on sunday he had his issues but on saturday he was making some impressive moves i do have to say great defending great attacking all that kind of stuff he was he was doing some decent things and i i believe that it should be highlighted you shouldn't just highlight the errors definitely highlight when people were doing some great things so luke degrassi lucas degrassi good work on saturday my man that was really impressive and i want to talk about nick devries or nick devries i don't know how to say his name i do hear his name like when i'm actually watching these races and the announcers are talking about him and the comments they're talking I don't necessarily keep that all the time. So Nick DeVries with some impressive work. He pulls off second. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm he was not a surprise to me. Because, I mean, I haven't really tuned in to Formula E all that much. But I do tune in from here and, you know, uh, here and then. I don't necessarily do episodes on it all the time. But I do tune in from here and then. And, and he's doing some pretty good work uh after the sunday gp that actually put him in first in the championship standings and some pretty good work by him actually he might have been in first in the championship standings on saturday <laughs> um but moving on to round 13 great action to start it's definitely something that you know a lot of these races have in common a lot of the times guys are fighting for position and all that kind of stuff and then throughout the middle of the race everybody just has its own little stalemate and then at the end people make their pushes and all that kind of stuff and things happen but great action at the race uh nick devries was pushing at, uh was pushing after an impressive run on saturday a lot of guys sometimes are not able to keep the same energy that they had the previous day or they had the previous week whatever and you know they they they, they fall off in the next race so they fall off uh, a race or two later um glad to see that nick devries was not one of those people and he was able to uh push not only on saturday but on sunday um there were a few crashes on track some of them i believe were just a cause from over defending um guys were literally pinning other each other to walls i, I mean that specifically when i'm talking about the da costa uh crash uh that basically gave him the dnf i forget who the driver was that did basically pin him but um He was the Costa was basically going in for a move on the inside line, and uh, was pretty much just pinned up against the wall as he was trying to uh, get past another opponent. Um, I'm not sure. It wasn't like a, a forceful pin, but it was still a pin, and um, I'm not sure exactly what the penalty was for that. That is something I would have to research and uh, and update you guys on a little bit later. Not right now. I don't, I'm not even. I don't think I mean in this podcast episode. But anyway, <laughs> um, with that accident with Luke DeGra- uh with uh not Luke DeGrasse, jeez, with that accident with the Costa, there was a full a safety car and uh, full course yellow, and uh, Luke DeGrasse on Sunday. This is what I mean about he was a little. 
gotta point out his good not just his bad well this is his bad uh he went into the pits on the uh full course on the safety car restart and just before the restart actually occurred he went into the pits and had the pit limiter speed all that kind of stuff and came out in front of the rest of the field right behind the safety car uh obviously me the first thing i jumped to was please tell me that's not legal <laughs> i was like that was the case i think people should have been doing that for a minute now i don't think that's legal is it and sure enough you know you hear the commentators making sure that they they uh went to the stewards and all that kind of stuff to figure out what was happening um but after fia review he was given a drive-through penalty but failure to actually do that drive-through penalty lucas degrassi was black flag from the race uh he was disqualified now roland and van dorn uh they have a nice little shakeup. um however i want to pinpoint this this was at the restart of the race uh degrassi is now in that little front section of first second third right degrassi is in first you have van dorn and you have roland in third who's coming in to basically just trying to get a position but if you think about it the Degrassi wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. So this one right here, I honestly believe, is just people trying to get their positions back or people trying to just make try and make a move to get a higher position. That kind of thing, just in case the situation with Degrassi was legal. Um, but why is it that in Formula E, guys are so much more willing to kind of dive bomb their opponent if you understand what I mean, you know, the late breaking dive bomb when they try and cut it on the inside line and get it. Because sometimes the lines, or a, a majority of the times, the lines, especially in this Formula E, uh, or especially at the London E Prix on the XL circuit, on certain hairpins, it's difficult because you cannot finish off your line. You usually dive, they normally they tend to diverge from their line to position for the next corner, but when they diverge from their line to position for the next corner, they run into whoever they just dive bombed into it was a lot of crashes specifically on the hairpin all of these things had the same exact uh factor behind it of late breaking dive bombs <laughs> full sends basically like all of them or the majority of them were from that so i i think that's an issue <laughs> uh maybe on that circuit specifically um, I don't think it's an issue in Formula E altogether, but definitely on that circuit. Uh, now, one thing I do want to point out, Formula E has some great racing. Some great racing. Unexpected, uh, unexpected action and unpredictability. That's what makes a race great. Great. Um, reason I say that because they have, you know, the attack mode feature and all that kind of stuff. And if you don't know what the attack mode feature is, the attack mode feature is something that allows the, it's like a drive through, um, system that gives the drivers extra power for either in a lot of time or in a lot of amount of laps. And they can basically go into a, in a, a more aggressive racing stance and uh, actually, you know, uh, fight the competition and try to get better pays, better positioning, that kind of stuff uh for the allotted amount of time and or laps however the determination of what corner the attack mode is going to be on 
also how many times you can use it or and the duration of it is determined 60 minutes before the actual race starts <laughs> so most of the time you are seeing last second strategies and all that kind of stuff uh, or on the fly strategies because teams do not know ahead of time what type of situation they're going to be running into so that brings out a whole lot of action because you don't know when guys are going to take attack mode you don't know when guys are not going to take it when they're going to try and fight and defend and when when people are going to push all that kind of you don't know those kinds of things and that that adds another level of excitement towards the race um in my personal opinion anyway now mitch evans uh, also did some good work i'm not necessarily sure what position mitch evans finished this race in but he did some good work but alex lynn the other brit pulled away with a home uh a home uh race victory formula e victory it was a dramatic race a lot of diving into the turns um and you know a whole lot of grip on the inside not so much grip on the outside <laughs> um but I do want to kind of discuss the standings as well. Now we have Nick DeVries. Like I stated, he is now number one in the standings with 95 points. And then we have Robin Friends <laughs> with Envision Version Racing. He is in number two. He's in the number two spot with 89 points. And uh, then there's Sam Bird for Jaguar Racing. He is in third with 81 points. And then there's Jake Dennis for BMW at fourth. Um... This was a pretty good race. A pretty good race, in my opinion. Now, this is the end of this episode. I don't think I have anything else to really talk about. I don't think I'll be touching Rally. If you made it this far, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for, you know, listening to it in, in its entirety. Um, and, you know, if you enjoyed this podcast, man, definitely rate it five stars on whatever platform you're streaming from. And, uh... If you want to, you know, be updated on, you know, uh, current motorsport stuff, motorsport related content, definitely head on over to my Twitter at the Big Ticket 07, or you can follow me on Instagram at Twims Podcast. That's T W M S Podcast. Or uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, if you watch the video version of this podcast, you'll be, you'll have the great benefit of of everything. Ooh. So I would definitely ask you to check into the uh, check into the video version of this podcast. Uh, but either way, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. <coughs> I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. Hope y'all enjoy all the things that there is to enjoy in life. Peace.